Super Talk Mississippi media production. William Carey University Athletics. Every sport you find inside the Crusader Talk. This is Crusader Talk. Crusader Talk. We're covering everything William Carey University Athletics. From the field to the court and the diamond on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. And welcome in to another edition of Crusader Talk here on this Monday from our Super Talk Hattiesburg studio. Glad to have you with us. Caleb Hamill, Josh West, Will Tony here with you for what will surely be another great edition of this show. We had a lot of fun over the past few weeks. Talked to Jessica Garga a couple weeks ago, talking about basketball recruiting on the women's side. Also talked to a lot of former Crusaders leading up into that big groundbreaking for the field hash. Uh, Fieldhouse, the ceremonial dirt tossing did happen, Josh. I was there for it. You were there. I was there for it. It was, uh, there were a lot of, you know, dignitaries and, uh, formal figures there. A lot of fun former players, uh, got to interact with. Uh, Dave Bush, who we talked to last week, was there. He was actually up on the stage, uh, to give a couple words. Man, one thing I will say about that event, it was a hot one. Uh, you know, looking at the calendar leading up to the event, you thought, okay, you know, middle of July, 2.30 in the afternoon ceremony, it might get a little toasty. They at least had foresight. They had a tent out there for everybody to uh, try to congregate around. I was not the uh, expedient arriver to uh, get one of those nice <laughs> seats. I, I respect my elders, though. I let them take the, the friendly seats in the shade, and uh, they enjoyed it. Uh, as much as I did, if not more. Imagine you not being the expedient arriver. <laughs> I, I at least arrived to the studio 30 minutes before the show. You did tonight, yes. <laughs> but And you also doubled your tan from the ceremonial dirt and, talk. So, and here's the thing. I thought you were out on vacation and weren't going to be able to be there Thursday. So that was the thing. I, I did go to the beach. The beach trip lasted a little shorter just because it, it was pretty hot down in Gulf Shores, and we enjoyed our time down there. He was suffering for the cause, Josh. He was. It, it was I, I, feel it. Was, I feel it. I got toasted more at that ceremony than I did at the beach. And that ceremony lasted about an hour. <laughs> Each trip lasted at least four, maybe five days. In what connotation of the word toasted? Uh, my face was tomato red by the end of it. I got a haircut the next day, and you could see from the day before where my hair used to be. Right. On my forehead. So, <laughs> that's a great. It's, oh, that's a description only a play-by-play guy could give. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, we, we've got we've got Coach Halford on the line. Okay, good. The we've got him. So, Coach Halford, you know, leading up into that ceremony where we uh, got to see the groundbreaking for the field house, I think it was one of the best-kept secrets in Hattiesburg, unless you were just playing a great poker face, that that facility was about to be named after you. Did you have any idea that was about to happen on that Thursday? Oh, uh, not really. I mean, you know, they said something about the 1300th win and that type thing. And, you know, you had the baseball team, softball team there. And I thought they were going to, you know, recognize those guys. And, uh, but no, that was, uh, that was a, a great, uh, it was a wonderful experience. And, uh, just really appreciate that. You know, I think one of the things you said to one of the reporters afterward was you saw all of these former players, and he's like, I mean, I know this is a big deal, another World Series team, but gosh, I didn't expect all these people to show up. But how many different, you know, former players, you know, let's even throw out over 20 years ago played under you, showed up for this thing? 
Well, it's just hard to keep up. It's hard to say because my wife asked me, she said, well, you know, you didn't introduce me to some of your high school teammates. And I said, well, you know, just so many people that were there, it was just very difficult, especially with the conditions being so hot that you didn't have time, you know. And uh, But it was kind of an interesting thing. I had, there's a group of guys that graduated from Meridian High School that have stayed in touch with each other the last six or seven years, and they have a reunion every year. And so there's a thread of about 25 guys, and so I gave uh, – you know, I gave our development people that list, and I looked up, and about six of them were there. And of course, one of them was the high school, well, uh, a lifelong friend that went to church with me all the way through, and then three guys that I was in the third grade all the way through and played sports with. So it was that was that was real special. And then, of course, all the players and the different eras, and that was that was very rewarding to see those guys, and I just really appreciated all that. And, it, and that's the only downside is i wasn't able to to acknowledge them you know because just so many that were from different eras and that type thing bobby this is josh west i look forward to jumping in again this coming year and getting to work with caleb and 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 cover your team and you know one of the questions i have when you get to bring so many people back and then you get to share stories what were some of the stories or a story or two that's stood out that maybe you had forgotten that got refreshed in your memory that were some really special memories that you had from this team or from old teams just from old teams from some of the from some of the guys some of the former teammates and just throughout the years a couple that that always bring a good laugh and that were really really good i don't know that's that's tough i mean when you have teams as i've had and i think the biggest thing is that the uh the longer you do this that probably the, the you mellow out a little bit, and so I think that a lot of those guys that uh, that I coached early on was, you know, they tell the stories about getting on to them and that type thing. And of course, with this group of people today, these kids are are, are different in that way, and they're not they're not used to that. So uh, maybe some of those type stories that uh, you know that something happened or getting thrown out of a game because used to there was not the penalty that it is today, where you have to sit out and. You always kind of use getting thrown out as a ploy, maybe to get your team going and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, that would be one of the things that maybe, and I really don't, you know, I'd have to sit down and really think about that. So that's a, that's a tough question. You know, I'll ask a follow-up to that. You know, you and I have talked a lot about Ron Polk over the years, and he was a guy that was not afraid to let his opinion be known to an umpire. Was there a, ever a memorable moment in your coaching career where you kind of remember getting into one that fired up your team later? Well, we were playing Mississippi State uh, one year, and we were playing at Greater Hasbro Park, and so that was his uh, – you know, we would play two years in start, but one year in Hattiesburg, and he was always gracious enough to schedule. And he always scheduled some of the smaller teams, uh, the schools in the state, where when he would come to Hattiesburg, it would be an alumni, you know, fiasco. He had more people from Mississippi State watching than, of course, than, than our fans. And we were playing at Greater Hattiesburg Park, and it was a, uh, I think it was a tie game. No, no, we were down one. That's right, we were at the down one. Had a runner on second, and uh, it was in the eighth inning. And uh, we had one of our fastest guys at second. He was a sprinter from Callaway High School. And our guy bounced one off the wall, and uh, he scored. And as he ran his third, of course, the Mississippi State dugout yelling, you know, he missed third, he missed third, because Ron had basically talked him that. And the umpire happened to be uh, a former Mississippi State pitcher, Bobby Myrick, from Hattiesburg. And so Bobby called him out. And uh, when he did, you know, that would have been a tight game. We had a winning run at second, the bottom of the eighth, and I went ballistic. And, uh, 
I yelled and screamed at him, and I told him to come down to third base and see, you know, the, the where the cleat marks were that he didn't miss it and that type thing. And so after the game, we got beat two to one. So after the game, one of the Hasbro American reporters asked me. I said, "Well, you'll never see a run taken off the board. It's duty noble. You know that that wouldn't happen." For the next day, Coach Puck in the pregame said, "I can't believe you said that." He said, "I cannot believe you." I said, "Well, I was pretty upset, Coach." I said, "That was that was a." You know, uh, I was pretty upset at that time, and uh, you know we'd played up there quite a quite a bit at Startville and that type thing. And I just made that comment, you know, and so he he reminds me of that every now and then. So well, the good thing about playing against him was he would always quiz you. Well, why did you do this? I thought you were going to oh, bunt yeah. that, in that situation. So it was always like you were at a clinic, you know, and so that was fun. That's good stuff. Well, Coach, you know, one of the things that we talked about or that was talked about during that ceremony was uh, just how many Crusader wins had been amassed over the years of the program's existence. And when they broke down just how many of those belong to you, of the however many, 1,300 belong under your banner as a head coach, not to mention the times that you won as a player or an assistant or athletic director. And so just in looking at the history of William Carey baseball, I, I don't know that everybody out there listening realize until that ceremony or until they listen to the show that William Carey baseball has truly been a majority built under your tutelage. And what is, I mean, just hearing those stats given out the other day, you know, what did that say to you as a coach? Well, I never really thought about it. I mean, you know, I followed two guys. I followed one guy that uh, brought me down here and uh, won a national championship in John O'Keefe and then John Stevenson, a former major leaguer that I played for for two years and then I was his assistant for nine. I just didn't want to let the program down. I think that was the biggest uh, motivation for me every year. I'm going, you know, you had a national champion and you had a, a team that uh, was ranked in the top ten annually and that type thing. And so – you know, those games, every game is different, and um, every every day you go out there, it's just um, it's, it's what you do. And and I didn't put a – I've never put a lot of emphasis on that. I just want to – you know, at the end of the year, I want to be better than when we started. And that's the thing that probably – I would be part, probably more proud of that than, you know, the teams get better. And I think that's 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 our goal, and to be in a position at the end to keep playing and, and maybe play for a title. Yeah, you wanted to back up the success of Coach O'Keefe and uh, Coach Stevenson. You didn't want to continue uh, the trend that Coach Knight left you back there in the uh, mid '80s. I understand. <laughs> well, that was a tough situation. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to get trying to do two different two two things at this level. That's almost impossible. And so, you know, for years uh, at, at our level, then a lot of your uh, teams that you played had a assistant football coach that also coached baseball and. Even the larger schools did that. So, you know, coaching two sports, and, and I did it. I, we yeah. all did it. I, I tell you what, Coach, I want to ask you about that when we come outside the other side of this break, all right? Sure. We're talking to Coach fine. Bobby Halford here on Crusader Talk. More with him in just a bit. You're listening to Crusader Talk on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. Rolling right along here on Crusader Talk, picking up our conversation with the head man of the baseball program, Coach Bobby Halford. 
newly the uh, title man of the new field house that is going in between baseball and softball. And, Coach, I want to pick up where we left off. You were talking about, because we I, I referenced in jest, tongue-in-cheek, about uh, Coach Knight's one-year tenure as a baseball coach at William Carey. And uh, he's not the only guy that's had to pull double duty in the Crusader coaching realm either because you yourself had many hats at one point. Well, you know, I started um, as a GA in 76 and um, basically, well, no, 75 as a senior, uh, I coached the uh, junior varsity basketball team. And some of the guys that were there the other day, one of them had played on that team and uh, it was a, he was also a baseball player. So, um you know, I played basketball and baseball and worked with both teams. And then the next year became a um, the head women's basketball coach when we started the program and uh, did that. You know, you, could, you practice maybe at 1 o'clock to 3, and then you have a men's practice at 3 o'clock to 5, and then you have a, a fall baseball game at night. So you just felt, you know, you didn't know any better. I mean, you know, you thought that everybody did that, and so we were all doing uh, double duty. and. I can remember Coach Stevenson uh, coaching basketball team in a uh, in a tournament in the in like a opening round or regional whatever you want to call it back then, and you know he wanted me to take the team until he got back. Well, he didn't get back for two or three days, and so you know I got it started pretty early, got baptized pretty early in that, and uh, we all you know we all did double duty, and most people at the small colleges did that. So, what was it like for you transitioning into that athletic director's role for a number of years? It was interesting because I always uh, wanted to, uh, you know, develop some things. I wanted to make it better, uh, you know, and try to help raise money possibly and also, you know, provide game day experience where, you know, we were doing programs that we hadn't done before and making sure the concession stand was being done right and the gate and that type of thing. So it was just hands-on, and, of course, you get used to doing that. And, you know, with the two three assistants I have now, you don't realize – how many things you were actually touching on game day that you don't have to do anymore. And, and you know, that makes it so much easier that you can just concentrate on the, the, the task at hand instead of, well, you know, you have someone to run a concession stand, you have someone to do the PA. You, you know, just all the little things like that that really matter. And as far as game day uh, experience, that's something that I've always wanted to do a better job with, and I think that we can, and, and that's something that we're striving for every day. And that's why we're trying to hire you guys, <laughs> you know, to, do, to help us do that. Well, Bobby, when you when you put all this together and it's been now going for so many decades, then it's about growing the fan base. It's about getting the community more involved. It's all these little things that – and then, of course, recruiting. It's the lifeblood of the programs. And this facility is going to be so vital in this what feels like an arms race in college athletics. Talk about what a big deal this is. Well, when you look around with the local high schools and the junior colleges and all the schools around, you know, it's, it's just what you said. It's an arms race, and these kids are so used to first-class facilities. And I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that when we travel around the country, which we, we go to a lot of places to play, that the state of Mississippi is by far the, has the best facilities, has the best uh, emphasis put on baseball. And when we were out in the Northwest practicing out there for in Lewiston, I mean, the high schools are not even close to what they're like around here as far as facilities and that type thing. Of course, the emphasis that's put on coaching and uh, in the past. And I think Coach Polk is maybe one of the reasons for that because he kind of put baseball on the map and, and kind of made everybody pick up their game. And, of course, the other coaches all over 
you know, Coach Denson at Southern Miss did a great job of, of building that program over there. And then Scott, you know, and those guys in Corky just, you know, kept it going and made it better. And, of course, Mike Kennison at Delta State. And it's just on and on. Those guys, you know, have done unbelievable job of uh, promoting baseball and making baseball important. We're talking with Coach Bobby Halford from the William Carey Crusader baseball team. Coach, uh, you mentioned all these other coaches just a second ago about people that have grown the game. First off, I believe your name belongs in that conversation with those coaches. Second of all, and I guess my question to you is this, with all the stories and when all is said and done, do you think there are going to be more people that have Bobby Halford stories, or are you going to have more stories about different players? That's a hard, that's a hard question to answer. You know, uh, uh, you know, people ask you all the time, you know, about doing this. And I say, well, it's what you do. It's your job. It's something that you love. It's something that you believe in. Uh, it's a school that, that you know, the, the, what that school believes in. And, and our mission is, is something that you've grown up with and something that you've basically been taught from an early age, from the church that you went to, to your family and that type thing. Because it is a family atmosphere and it is a Christian institution. And so that is the motivator right there for me. All right, so we talked about you know the field house a little bit and some of your history as, as a coach. So we move now into recapping this past year's World Series team, and you know, kind of the rumor mill was stirring, saying, "Well, you know, Coach Hoffer he wants to make it to Lewiston one last time." I don't think that bug is out of you yet, Coach, especially with this team that you've got returning uh, coming back next year. What does this team look like as far as you know? what we know right now moving forward into the 2023-24 year? Well, we lost three of our best players. You know, we lost Patrick Lee, our center fielder. He's a go-go guy for us, and uh, he's playing really well in our draft league right now up in West Virginia, him and Bobby Lede, And, of course, A.J. Stinson just got up there. Those are three. That's a that's a league where guys that are trying to get picked up by, you know, an affiliated team that's basically used to be the, the New York Penn League is, is a lot of these teams that are – they're leading the league. They've won like nine of their last ten games since the, our guys have been with them. And you know, I was telling these other teams that that you know that play independent. I said these guys are really good. You need to give them a shot. But at the same time, you know, uh, when you lose those guys, it's real hard to to uh, you know get people to, to uh, take up that slack. But I think with this team coming up, that we might do things a little different. As far as it's one of the best best hitting teams that we've had in a long time. We could really score. And, uh, you know, we, we had two or three guys that when they were on the mound, we were, we could beat anybody. I think the depth in pitching might have hurt us a little bit and, uh, you know, that type thing. But we have more this year and, and we kind of tried to remedy some of those weaknesses. Uh, and so hopefully the experience of being out there and the team that won it, they basically were out there last year with 18 players and they went two and out. And so I think that that experience for them in Westmont, that really catapulted them into the title, you know, because of the, the experience of being out there. And it's, it's a unique experience. It's basically a mini Omaha. And uh, they do a great job with it. And, of course, the the only negative is the host team is, is one of the best teams in the country. you got to go through them a lot of times with their crowd. And uh, But, you know, that's the challenge, and that's the fun part of it. And uh, it just makes you want to go back. At least they don't have the automatic qualifier to the World Series now. At least right. they finally they to, changed that. They have to win their way through, and of course, at the same time, 
you know, when they select the teams that go there, I mean, they have to be careful because, you know, you hate to have a ringer go out there and uh, they don't make it. So I, I think that would be. But the fans there, they're very knowledgeable. Uh, they really embrace the other teams when they're not playing the home team and they actually pull for you. And I think we were a fan favorite uh, the last two times. And so it was really fun. And, and uh, until you, like I said, until you play them and then they, uh, they kind of turn on you at that time. But a lot of those fans were, you know, they're people that, that plan year-round that, that I'm going to be there and I'm going to get 300 volunteers that start working on this thing probably, you know, the week after it was over. And uh, the whole community gets involved. And it's, a, you know, very strong backing, a very strong, especially from the businesses out there. Uh, Bobby, we've got just about 90 seconds left, so we, we've had to cover a lot of topics very quickly. But I guess one question I want to ask is this, and, and that being the game of baseball is in such a healthy place, especially in the state of Mississippi, all over the Deep South. Where do you see the game of baseball going here in the next five or ten years or so? What's the next thing coming for the game of baseball, which is as deep and as talented as it has ever been? Well, I think that, you know, there's so much emphasis being put on, especially from the, all the way up, all the way, the youth leagues, all the way up. And of course, this area has been so fertile. And, and, and that's the only negative for us is that we're so, uh, surrounded by so much good talent. A lot of times our kids, when they get away from here, maybe looked at by different scouts or something like that. So, you know, it's really saturated. So it's, uh, such a hotbed. It's like football. And, and, uh, yeah, I, just, I think it'll keep growing. I think that baseball is such a popular sport, especially in, in Hattiesburg, and especially in, in Mississippi. And I, I can't see it, you know, going down. I can see it getting more popular and, and everybody, like I say, an arms race with facilities. You know, quick hitter right here. I, I'm just dying to know, and I've had to sit on this question for a little while and let things settle for a little bit. But as I watch that World Series, you know, we're now a month plus removed from it. Tell me, Coach, did that Lewis Clark State player's bat have too much pine tar up the barrel? There's no, there's no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt. We, we, we wouldn't have, uh, but but that might have been one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. <laughs> is basically getting the crowd involved. Of course, they were winning six to nothing at that time, and I, I just said, you know, we got to do something. Uh, I didn't want to get thrown out because I didn't want to have to sit out a national championship game two day, two games later because the rules are where they are. But, I, you know, we said we got to get something going. we gotta got to stir up something for our guys and uh, kind of kind of get a spark. And so, you know, Eric and Ben were sitting there going, Coach, that's that, that bad. That's illegal. It's illegal. It's illegal. So I said, okay, let's let's take a, take a spin with it. And I had a coach from Southeastern said, Coach, that was probably a mistake right there. <laughs> ignited that crowd. I said, well, well, time, well, we'll coach, coach we're out of time. We, we appreciate okay. it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You're tuned in to Crusader Talk on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. Well, if you missed that conversation here on the radio with Coach Hall for just a moment ago, this will be available in podcast form later this evening or early tomorrow morning whenever your podcast feed refreshes. You can catch us on all of those major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. You can find us, just search for Crusader Talk. Author will be Super Talk Mississippi. A whole lot of podcasts available from Super Talk as well. Got stuff if you're a Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss fan as well. 
Got a whole host of collegiate athletics podcasts available to you. Josh, that was a great conversation with Coach Hallford. We, we could go a whole show with him as a co-host. That's yeah, so, I mean, we, we've been running out of time, it seems like, weeks on in now, where we have a segment or two scheduled and we could go full shows yeah. with, with each and every one of our guests. Yeah, and, and the fact that we had to cut his story a little bit short, you know, it, it, I, I, I hate that. I, I really do, because seriously, you could have him on for a full hour. I oh, should have known that talking about the bat with the pine tar up the barrel was going to be a lot more than just a yes or no question. <laughs> you could have gone ten minutes on that. We could have gone this whole segment talking about that exchange, but that that was one of those games, man. Where it, we were behind the eight ball to start with that game, just because of yeah. where we were, who we were playing, and that, that's one of those things that I, I alluded to it—the fact that at least they don't get an automatic bid to the World Series anymore because. If you're not familiar with the NAIA World Series format, for years upon years, Lewis Clark State got an automatic bid because they were hosting. Because they were hosting to the World Series, not yeah. just the tournament, the World Series. So now they get an automatic berth to the tournament because they host an opening round and the World Series, but they still have to work their way into that final group of ten. So there's, at I'm least okay a with bit. an automatic berth. I'm okay with that. See, I kind of am, but at the same time, if you look at the body of work, I don't know that they make the tournament this year. And they're the ones that put out the Crusaders and made the final three. So when – I don't know. If you had the mindset throughout the regular season of, well, this one doesn't matter that much because we're already in the postseason, I I don't know how it goes. It feels like the whole season is practice. Let's just just look at this in another realm. Let's just say that any of the – Big three in this state, so to speak, in air quotes. Okay. Let's just put this on a, a, a different level. And what does that do for recruiting? If you're already in the Ooh. tournament, you're already in the dance. You're already in the postseason. You know, we could, so it's not, it's a non-starter. We, no, I don't we, think we, it should could, be at all. We could start talking about, you know, two years, not, not this past year, but year before when Ole Miss literally Backed into the tournament by canceling it, a game yeah. that would have lowered their RPI. You know, that so kind of my stuff question happened. is: is when does Baseburg make a bid to somehow get the tournament in this area? <laughs> and is there a facility that could host it? Getting would that, that changed? Would that? But again, I mean, it's been there for I think forty, fifty, or more years. Yeah, getting yeah. that changed is going to take more than. And 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 so what I'm gathering though is that the NAIA is not growing; it has shrunk. That's true, right? So it's one of those things where, but you would love to see it in three or four rotating areas, right? Or two out of four, if there was a southeast region, or is it just it's just history? There. You know, that's the one thing about baseball; it's, it's a very of, traditionalist sport. It's kind of like Omaha. Yeah, Omaha is one of those things that it's not going to change. Lewiston is likely not going to change. Even the SEC but baseball tournament if, in Hoover. Imagine is not going if the, right. what if the Cornhuskers of Nebraska were in the tournament every year because that Omaha hosted the World Series. So it's a non-starter. Not only do I think they should, I mean, it can be there, but I don't even think I'm just a sports fan. I have no touch of nostalgia in me for that. No, you shouldn't automatically be in. The competitive balance isn't there. Yeah, no, no, you shouldn't yeah. automatically because now. You're recruiting to the postseason. You're in the tournament. You have a absolutely guaranteed chance to win a national championship every year. Yeah, you're in the tournament every year here. Come here. Yeah, that's an advantage. Although to get people all the way out to 
Idaho. So maybe it's not an advantage. It's, I mean, for people in Washington, it's just a stone's throw from Spokane. That's where a lot of people fly in to get to Lewiston. You know, so you get a little bit of fringe areas of, you know, Washington to come in as well. But, you know, I, I don't think it's that far fetched that they get recruits. People on the outside looking in wouldn't think that there's a whole bed of talent in baseball in Mississippi until you actually know baseball and realize what a hotbed this area is. And, you know, yeah. thinking about that and Coach Hall for the different eras of baseball that he's coached through. I mean, thinking about that, we have, we've always had great beds of talent of baseball in Mississippi. But the fact that he went through eras of playing with the big dogs of the SEC year in and year out, mm-hmm. uh, having you know, players that I mean, teams that would beat those teams as well, not just exhibition play like we see with basketball still today between William Carey and Southern Miss. We're talking about full-fledged series with these NCAA Division One teams. And when we talked to Dave Bush a week ago, talking about teams that would produce MLB talent as well. You have multiple players drafted in a given season. What do you say, five players off of one team? I think, I think that's what he said. Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen, but I think that sounds about right. But, you know, he coached through that era. Now he's coaching through a smaller NAIA, but still a competitive league that he's a part of in the SSAC. When you, if you were to put two conferences in the top two spots of baseball, I would argue the Sun Conference and SSAC could be one and two. I think the Sun is definitely on up there. And that's why there's a lot of partnership and competitive action between those two. But the SSAC has a great geographic area for talent as well. And Kerry has maximized that to you know, play terrific ball year in and year out. And they're playing good competition as well. It's not lost on me. Part of the conversation we had earlier today, and we're kind of looking into the 23-24 year, and we're talking about you know having an opportunity to call some of these games. And you're talking about on a different level, you're calling it a Georgia, you're calling it a Florida, you're calling it a Texas. Mm-hmm. That's the type of level William Carey is at the NAIA level. This is a top 10 national program competing for national championships in every sport. And now it's not even about conference championships. It, success is going to be uh, considered in five or 10 years. It's going to be looked at in national championships. Yeah. So those, those uh, SSAC championships are going to be the expectation to be able to get the berth to go and compete for national championships. That's remarkable because that bar has been raised across the board. How many years in, in, in how many recent years, Caleb, you've got a better perspective than I uh, of when that, that turned until when the expectations got raised that high. You know, it was almost like an exponential upturn near the end of the 2010s. You, know, you saw the 2017. Yeah, 2017 was a huge rallying yeah. point, you know, albeit tornado year. But even then, you think about the basketball team success making the Fab Four uh, around that time. The that baseball was that team, same year. Yeah, baseball team making the you know, national semifinals in the tournament in Lewiston. Uh, you've seen women's soccer compete year in and year out for national championships. Uh, even the softball team, I, I found mm-hmm. this out. I didn't realize they played in the national championship game or series uh, yeah. recently. Uh, they've had more appearances in the national world series uh, aspect of their tournament than William Carey has been to Lewiston. And yeah. they've been around for almost half the time. And, and, you know, when you, and we've said this before, when you talk about track and field, it's not, necessar- it's not necessarily a, a team national championship. 
there are several individual national champions off the track and field team. Yes. And and then that goes way back. Yeah. So I mean Lena May was, you know, one that was very recent. Uh, mm-hmm. she was the cross country champion, yeah. I believe it was. Um the first one for William Carey in that category. But I really think you can trace a lot of this success to there was a long standing history of pretty good success that would travel amongst the different teams. But as far as wholesale success across the board, you can kind of chalk it up to the most recent decade or so. And, you know, when you mention the Coach Halfords, you mention the Coach Knights, and these are coaches that have a perspective of being at a place where they, they had success, they built a program, mm-hmm. and they've been able to recruit to that for so long. And they appreciate what William Carey is. They appreciate, we talked about the culture. It goes across all sports. Um, just the character in those rooms, not only on the athletic side, but on the academic side. And so because of the success, they're able to recruit and say, look, this is the way it is. This is the way we do things here. If mm-hmm. this is not for you, it's okay. You know, you don't have to come here. But there's players that want to be a part of that culture. Yeah. That there are coaches, administrators, educators, athletes that can be other places, and they choose William Carey. That is strong, especially in a day and age where it's all about on to the next job, on to the next job, up, 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 till eventually you step into somewhere where you're inevitably going to be fired. This is special. It is. And you think about over 40 years now of Steve Knight running the basketball program at William Carey, Steve Knight is the basketball program here. He, he, he uh, seriously, yes. he created it. And so he has that right to say, you know what? This is what we do. If you don't like it, thanks for talking to us. Good luck to you. But, you know, the culture that he's created, Fab Four culture, he, he literally, he has been the head coach there my entire life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, Coach Hallford is right there up there with it because not only has he been the head coach for now the past 38 seasons, but he was an assistant for yeah. a lot longer than that as well and a player before that. And so he has been Mr. William Carey Baseball for a very long time, beyond just his 38 years as a head coach. Oh, yeah. And I want to ask, just kind of bring this up, and we may bleed this over into the final segment as well, but... How big is this field house for the baseball and softball programs? Two programs that are already at what many would think is the height of their existence, and yet this is going to elevate it even more. It feels like it only goes up from here. It, it really does. Yeah. And that means national championships. Yeah. That's the up. I mean, they've that's, done everything that's else. Step. That's the next step. Yeah. And that could be in the very near future. So William Carey, baseball and softball are getting their new Bobby Halford Fieldhouse, and that'll be right smack dab between the two facilities, between Milton Wheeler Field and Joseph and Nancy Fail Field. Uh, it's going to be a great project. There's still opportunities to donate to that. You can find out more information at gowcucrusaders.com or wmcarey.edu. Uh, find out how you can help make that project a fully paid-off project before they're done building it as well. 
So with that, we will continue the conversation about that. Also preview the upcoming athletics. Man, volleyball is just around the corner. It's we gotta, coming. we got to talk to Coach Shirley soon. More about that and a lot more coming up next on Crusader Talk. Talking everything William Carey University Athletics. This is Crusader Talk on Super Talk Hattiesburg 97.3 and supertalkhattiesburg.com. So glad that you have been a part of our show today, listening in, whether it was live on 97.3 or in podcast form. Still got about six minutes left to talk William Carey Athletics, Caleb Hamill, Josh West, and Will Tony. I tell you, a little while back when we interviewed Coach Garriga, we uh, were a little <laughs> delayed in getting that podcast posted. And let me tell you, you, the people that were expecting to see that drop Monday night or Tuesday morning were reaching out asking, hey, hey, did I, y'all do one or what, what's going on there? Okay, so the story behind that is... Uh, <laughs> we'll pull you behind the curtain for those right. of you listening. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, that one being me. Um, for those that don't know, yes, we from time to time, have to pre-record some segments. And that's what we did that night. And I just forgot to post it. I, I forgot to take the file and put it up on the podcast platform. The and live stuff. The, the live stuff. The, the, the show that aired live that live, night. Yeah. yeah. And, and so now now the, the next one was good to go. I, in fact, y'all don't know this, but I posted about 30 minutes before the show aired uh, on, on, the, on the network. Yeah. So, I'm I'm sitting there at, at WLAU, our sister station, and I get a text message from our operations manager, Michael Merkins. He said, "What happened with the podcast last night?" I was like, "Oh shoot, I forgot to post it." <laughs> he said, "In the future, make sure you do, because I'm getting phone calls specifically." From Doctor Burnett, wanting to know our why number the, one our, fan, why the our podcast top listener, is not our on. number one and, fan. And, and look, I, I I have so much respect for Doctor Burnett. Y'all don't even understand. Um, but when Doctor Burnett starts calling the station, asking why the podcast is not up, people are listening. So well, yeah, because he may not favorite. be the first line of noticing it wasn't. <laughs> He's probably getting text man. I I thought they had something last. Night. I thought I heard it going down the road, and I yeah. missed the last bit or whatever. What happened? To you? But it, that it, just means so much to us. The fact that people are listening, people are listening. Yeah. Uh, even so, on my way to the beach, I got to run into <laughs> a complete happenstance. So I obviously, anytime you're going to the beach, especially if you're going through to uh, Gulf Shores or to Destin or whatever, you're gonna. There's one stop you have to make. There's one stop you have to make. You're going to go to Bucky's. You don't have to go. You, you probably still had three quarters of a tank, but you're still going to drop in and at least get the beaver nuggets or something. And I walked out of there saying, you know, I am so shocked. Maybe it was because I was so early getting out of bed this morning, getting on the road, that I didn't run into anybody I knew. And as soon as I was about to make it to my car, I hear somebody yell across the parking lot, Hey! Coach Tracy English. There you go. And he asked, hey, I, I heard Coach Garriga was on the podcast. How did she do? I said, we had a wonderful conversation. Yeah. And uh, it was great. And you can listen back to that one a couple episodes back. We had the recap of you know, baseball interviewing old players, and then the episode before that was Coach Garriga. So that one is still available. It is available online. Yes, on it's our there pod- now. Podcast platforms. <laughs> 
Uh, but that was a good run in with Coach English. He was on his way to Destin. I went to Gulf Shores, and I think we all had a good time at our respective Both locations. Both of you suffering for the calls. That's well, right. You know what? I'll say this: it makes the summer go faster. We've gotten from the end of baseball into the start of volleyball and soccer quickly. Yeah, this yeah. summer. We are only 15 days away from the start of volleyball season for William Carey. Can you believe that? Which is unreal. So Friday, August 11th, they'll have the William Carey tri-match with Pearl River Community College, Pensacola Christian, and Itawamba Community College. So uh, that'll be kind of a, I believe it's going to be a round-robin type of thing. I haven't gotten the full details on that, but uh, it seems like it's you know just a fun little introduction to the team and get to see a little bit of play from all kinds of other teams from nearby, especially the two community colleges from Mississippi. You're doing play-by-play on this, right? I, you know, we haven't talked about it yet. It depends on uh, what the school wants. But uh, we will be doing some volleyball throughout this year, the home games. That'll be good. We're thinking it's going to be some type of a 30 minutes of play, 30 minutes off, 30 minutes of play, 30 minutes off. And so we think it's going to go pretty quick. Yeah, so I don't it'll think be more it's like be, a jamboree. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be three full matches. But uh, again, we'll probably again we'll request uh, Coach Rhonda Shirley, who's going to be in her first season at William Carey, to possibly be on the show next week. So stay she tuned. was so good when we had her she on the was. first time. She was one of those that we wish we could have kept a couple more segments. Yeah. to her. I think we we limited her a little bit too much. We did. We'll, we'll leave it wide open next week. Have you seen some of the facilities they're building around the state for training? There is a huge facility up on the reservoir in Ridgeland for volleyball. Now, there's no parking, but there is a huge facility for volleyball. That is one of the fastest-growing sports. It has certainly put a dent in just the number of players playing basketball. Yeah, the sport is really taking off in Mississippi, even in this part of the country, or part of the state as well. Up in Jones County, programs that were just founded a couple of years ago taking flight as well. Um, I got to see the state championships firsthand a couple of years ago. And, you know, back then it was more you know, your Brandons, your Oak Groves, your DeSoto County schools uh, that were big and popular in those. But you're starting to see a lot of parity across the state as well. Speaking of Jones County, Jones College will be starting their volleyball program, not this school year, but next. Awesome. So that was 15 days till the start of volleyball. Both men and women's soccer will be just 26 days away, so we're under four weeks to go. We'll give a preview of so soccer quick. coming up as well. Uh, men's basketball a little further out, 96 days until the men get their action started. And then Coach English's women's basketball team is 101 days out from starting against Ave Maria in the Sun SSAC conference uh, battle that they'll have there. I think there's a formal name for that. I'll have to get that later. But we appreciate you for tuning in today to Crusader Talk. For our partners, Will Tony and Josh West, I'm Caleb Hamill, wishing you a pleasant good evening, and go Saders. Talk Mississippi Media Production.